1: Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Radio for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 1010. 10. And today we begin a new series called The Elephant in the Family Room. And if you're like most families and you all get together, there's issues and topics that maybe shouldn't be brought up. But here's the deal. Let's deal with those past hurts in light of God's present power. Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. And if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. Message number one in this series is called The Big Elephant. Pastor Sean is teaching from Genesis 37 and 39 and the story of Joseph. It's time for Radio for Real Life.
2: Our series is called Elephant in the Family Room. And... You know, we all know what that's about. You, know, you just say it and you kind of chuckle. Well, take a look at this picture. This picture kind of reminded me of kind of the elephant in the family. Not that, that Paul Galley, our, our administrative pastor, or, or Ryan, who just led us in a beautiful time of worship, uh, our, our elephants, uh, but this was at our staff Christmas party. Okay? The one in the foreground who can't breathe, he's laughing so hard, is, is me. My assistant, Christy Rivers, who's just a little twisted in the head, came up with this game. She had all the pastors kind of play this game, and it, it was, she, you had to wear mittens, you only had so much time, and you had to unwrap this present that was actually a bunch of presents all down, and it was, very, it was wrapped like Fort Knox, and you had to use these mittens, and so you had so much time, and you had to pass them on, and kind of whoever, I guess, actually opened it and got the actual thing was the winner, right? So Jim Phillips sets the tone by putting the mitten on and just punching the thing. You got to think, oh, Jim, he's the nice one, he's the sweet one, wrong. He got violent first. And so then it starts rotating and kind of going around. And go put the picture back up. So before you know it, Ryan is there. His time is up. But Ryan's at Ryan's frothing, okay? So Paul Galley, who, who, who knew this? Paul jumps on him. And so now it's just a brawl. And, and I'm, I wish I could say I was praying. I'm laughing and enjoying this horrible moment. But why you like, why are you showing us that in a family series? Because that actually reminds me of a lot of my Christmases. I mean, really, holidays are those times that, you you know, you do that goofy, crazy stuff because it's family, and everybody knows family, and it's all the deal. But sadly, I think some folks have a hard time with family because there's those elephants in the family room, and they avoid their family. But at holidays, you can't, can you? Holidays, it's like, well, that's what you do. I'm going to be with the family. And even if it's hard and you don't talk and you don't have relationships like we're gonna do it. And I think sometimes that's when those elephants in the family room pop up in even greater number. And, and when I say that, you know what an elephant in the room is? It's that big thing that's kind of so obvious, but nobody mentions it. You know, I actually have a spiritual gift when it comes to elephants in the room. I see an elephant in the room, I go, Oh, look, an elephant. Let's talk about that. People love that, by the way. That's, that's a trait they love. But you, you know what they're like. I mean, it's like, you know, Aunt so-and-so, you can't tell her anything, and then one of the teenagers starts telling her something, and you see her start ratcheting it up, and it starts going, oh, God, and you can't do anything. It's like, oh, it's horrible. Uncle so-and-so who was so drunk last Christmas, he sent us all home. It just sh- shut it down. Embarrassed everybody, and... Now he's coming again. So God bless. That thing that was done, that deal that several family members invested in and it didn't go well, that that, that sin that was committed and it just won't admit, and it's kind of just there. All kinds of stuff. My family, actually, my extended family, was at a restaurant... <clears throat> And one of those things came up. And two of the family members started to get emotional. And then they started to get angry. And then they started to get loud. So much so and other people start trying to quiet down and no and, you know, and manager of the restaurant came through my whole family out of the restaurant. That's not, I mean, you're like thinking your family's the only one? No, no, we've been thrown out of some of the finest places in this city. <laughs> I thank God Lori and I weren't there. We weren't, we weren't a part of that because nobody was arrested. And had I been there, we don't know. We, we don't know where that would have gone, you know. <laughs> Keeping it real. But there's one elephant, when we talk about elephants in the room, that stands out. I, I think it's the big one. In fact, that's the title of the message this morning is the big elephant. The big elephant. And I want to say there's nothing funny about this elephant. It's the elephant of unspoken or buried hurts. Family hurts. In fact, I think this is generally the root between all kinds of elephants. It's a core idea, I think, behind the phrase elephant in the room. It's one of the reasons we don't talk about those things, because it hurts. Big, obvious things that we can't talk about. Because someone is hurting. hurting. In one way or another. And the problem with this elephant, the elephant of hurts, is it travels with us. It goes wherever we go. It refuses to stay in the room because it becomes a part of us. It impacts every relationship. Every room that we have. Particularly family relationships. It's like, wait a minute, this was an old family hurt from my family of origin, but I brought it into my new family room. And it comes up in that family room. I think it's really important to understand we are shaped by our families. In fact, we did a sermon series once called The People Factory, talking about families because it's where God chose to bring people from, right? They originate in families. They are raised in families. We are shaped by our families. We're trained in so many ways, whether it's intentional or not, we are trained by our families. Think about it. How to love or not love. We are trained through our families. How we show, express, receive love, we are trained through that, one way or another. Communication, how we talk, how we process, how we listen or don't listen. We're trained just kind of by atmosphere, by relationship, by osmosis, through family. Sharing responsibilities. Every married couple has figured this out. You know, and dating is not the same. Dating is awesome. Dating is important. But when you get married, it gets real. And all of a sudden, those things that you just didn't think to talk about, and you realize, holy cow, (coughs) this is your idea of sharing responsibilities? Are you kidding? And we're not, marriage is for another talk, okay? I don't wanna go too far down that road. The elbows have already started. Stop. (laughs) Elbow free zone, elbow free zone. But you realize, oh, we said the words, we nodded our heads, but we didn't mean the same thing. Serving, how we serve one another or don't generosity or not conflict resolution how do we deal with conflict hurts things where we disagree we're trained in that social interactions with others outside the family list goes on everything we do i think is impacted in some way, by our family of origin. And here's the thing, we can't even begin to talk about all these different things until we deal with the one big elephant in the room, in the family room, and that's the elephant of hurts. It's real, and everybody experiences them. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 45. Genesis 45 is a story, and if you've been around church, maybe you've heard his story. His name's Joseph. And Joseph is known as the favored son. Sadly, favoritism is a family trait that his father, Jacob, had picked up from his parents, Isaac and Rebekah. Jacob had 12 sons. Joseph was the second to youngest. And he was not just the favored, but he was extremely gifted and talented. All of this led to him being resented, mocked, and ultimately hated by his older brothers. And they really did. And one day, they decide to act on this hatred, this animosity that they have. They literally intend, they discuss and intend to murder him. That's how deep this hatred, jealousy, and resentment is. But one of the brothers talks him out of it. And instead, what they do is beat him up, throw him in a pit, and ultimately sell him into slavery. They take his coat, put animal blood on it, bring it back to dad, He must have been attacked. Joseph's gone. He's dead. Well, he finds himself in Egypt. He suffers through slavery. He suffers through false accusation and imprisonment. And what's fascinating about his story is that through all of this, Joseph is faithful to God, and he chooses to trust God and make the best of every circumstance and opportunity he finds himself in. Consequently, God uses these circumstances, difficult circumstances, and he combines that with Joseph's unique gifts to bring him before Pharaoh and ultimately earn him the the position of prime minister of Egypt. If you haven't read the story, it's an incredible story. It's in the book of Genesis. You need to read it. It's really good reading. story of Joseph. So he becomes prime minister, and his primary assignment was, if you remember, building and distributing Egypt's food stores during a terrible famine. And he did an incredible job. Well, one day he finds himself standing in front of the brothers who betrayed him, and they are now in desperate need of food, and they've come to buy some. Well, just imagine... And in the scripture, this incredible drama unfolds as Joseph, who, what's interesting, they don't recognize him. He's a grown man now. He was a young boy, adolescent. He's a a grown man, and he's a powerful man, and they don't even recognize him. And he sets up a series of circumstances and trials that ultimately require them to bring his younger brother Benjamin under threat of prison. Benjamin had been left at home to protect him because father couldn't handle losing both Joseph and Benjamin. But under threat of prison, they have to bring him. And then when Joseph sees Benjamin, they bring him back. The whole story comes to this incredible climax, and it's here in Genesis 45. Let's take a look. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. He cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him. Now, everybody's left the room. It's a big palace. But it was so emotional, so heart and gut-wrenching that they heard him. And in fact, Pharaoh's household ultimately heard about it. It's a big deal. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were not able to answer him. Because they were terrified at his presence. Can you just imagine that moment? Really? I mean, you don't know. Had they thought about Joseph? Did they stop thinking? Had they buried that memory? Were they guilty? And so they're sitting here before this prime minister. They've been going, jumping through these hoops and these weird things. It's like he's manipulating them. All of a sudden, he sends everybody out. He starts sobbing uncontrollably. Like you're standing before the governor. And he just starts crying. Sends everybody out. The judge in court. And the judge sends everybody out of the courtroom. You're the, you're the one on trial. And he just starts sobbing. It's like, this can't be good. This cannot be good. And then he says, I'm Joseph. Is dad still alive? And It's like, can you imagine their minds start reeling? It's like everything around them starts shifting. The one they thought was, who knows, a slave somewhere dead? It kind of put them out of their minds. And he's standing before them. And he's the prime minister. And so they're terrified at his presence. But then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into slavery in Egypt. They're like, this can't be good. But he says, and now do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there's been famine in the land. And for the next five, there'll be no plowing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it wasn't you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, Lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father. Say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all of Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would speak through your word. I pray that we would hear your heart. I thank you for this beautiful story of an incredible man I just ask that we would um, bring our hurts to the table, be honest about them, and let you speak to them. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: We want to take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Radio for Real Life with Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church, in this message called The Big Elephant, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And there, if you're able to bless back, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue Again, find the Give tab at reallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. Do you ever
2: look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church.
1: And now back to the message, The Big Elephant. This is Radio for Real Life.
2: A couple observations real quickly. Um, One, as badly as some of our families may have treated us, I think Joseph wins the Terrible Family Award. Can we give him that? The Terrible Family. I mean, we... I don't make light. There's been real hurts, real stuff, I, but I, I don't know if it, I at least haven't talked to anybody whose family sold them into slavery, okay? I mean, there's one guy in earlier service raised his hand, but it, was, it turns out when he was seven, his brother, eight-year-old, sold him into slavery, but he, he's back. He got away, so he's good. Yeah, Joseph wins the award, and because of that, this is one of the most incredible and dramatic stories of forgiveness and restoration in all of Scripture. It really is. It's absolutely incredible. When you consider what he went through, what was done to him, what he had to face, and how he responds, this is a powerful, incredible story of forgiveness and restoration. And I think Joseph clearly, based on what we just read, understood one thing, which I want to suggest to you this morning is the secret to dealing with the elephant of hurt. And I think if Joseph were here, he would tell us this. I want you to write this down. Never forget who is in control and who isn't. Never forget who is in control and who isn't. You see, Joseph knew who was really in control, and I think he knew it the whole time. You see, Joseph's brothers, when they threw him in a pit and sold him into slavery, they thought they were in control. Joseph knew better. They're not. God's in control. Potiphar, when he bought a slave, he was a captain of Pharaoh's guard. He thought he was in control. Joseph knew better. And every single day conducted himself recognizing God's in control. Potiphar's wife, when he falsely accused Joseph of sexual misconduct, she thought she was in control. She wasn't. Joseph knew better. The jailer, when Joseph was arrested and thrown in jail, thought he was in control. Joseph knew. In fact, what's funny, when Joseph walked before Pharaoh, Pharaoh had this weird dream. Nobody could help him interpret it, but Joseph, one of his gifts was to interpret dreams. When Joseph walked before Pharaoh, Pharaoh thought he was in control. Joseph knew the truth. Never forget who's in control and who's not. This simple, faith filled perspective was the key to Joseph's entire life. Think about it. In the midst of incredible offense and hurt, Joseph thrived. He thrived, obviously, in his professional life beyond our wildest imagination. He thrived in personal relationships, and he thrived ultimately in his service before the Lord. See, any one of these areas could have been derailed by his hurts. We see it all the time. Entire lives lost, wasted, lives wasted because of people being held hostage to their hurts. It affects every relationship, it affects their profession, it affects their family, because they keep living from this place of hurt. Joseph understood, wait a minute, I know who's in control and I clearly know who's not. And he thrived. See, family hurts impact how someone interacts at work. You see it with a boss, with coworkers, relationships. At church, you, you want to know one of the things that we see a lot at church? What I've experienced quite a bit as a senior pastor. Okay? You're talking to someone about something, and you know, it actually can be very you know, basic. The scheduling of a ministry event or something. And all of a sudden, things start to get emotional, and the person starts to get... And, and then you see them kind of speaking, and you realize, I don't think they're talking to me anymore. And you look behind you to see if there's like someone else there. And all of a sudden it dawns on you, oh, because I am a male leader in a community, I've just become dad. And this emotion, this anger, this stuff that's coming out, it's not about the ministry event we're talking about scheduling or not scheduling. Oh, this is about dad. And I've stepped into the role. I think a boss can experience it. Maybe some of you as employers, you've experienced like, it's like there's a lot of emotion here that really, I mean, all we're talking about is an agenda for a team meeting next week. And all this emotion is like, whoa. I mean, there's mom issues. Maybe some of you are female employers, team leaders, managers. You've experienced it. And it's like you realize, oh, they're not talking to me anymore. They kind of are, but I've simply stepped in for mom, and they're now taking care of that controlling mom, and they're giving me what for intended for her, whatever. Those hurts, we carry them with us. That's what's dangerous. They affect our friendships. How about dating relationships? You single folks, you dated someone? We've all dated every great person, but all of a sudden something comes up and they just react. This so bizarre, and you're like, "Wow, it seems so out of character with who they are and who I thought them to be." And turns out they're reacting and responding to some hurts, and they brought it into this relationship. Family relationships. Your current family. Your spouse. Your kids. How you respond to your parents, your siblings. We can all, they can all be adapted, changed, I, I dare say warped by hurts that we bring from our family of origin. A couple things that Joseph <clears throat> did because he remembered who was in control and who isn't, and, and it really changed everything. And I hope there's some life and some, some healing in some of what we see in him for some who are hurting here this morning. Number one, Joseph knew how to deal with his pain. Joseph knew how to deal with his pain. You see, Joseph's emotional outburst reveals he was carrying real hurt, real pain. Okay, he wasn't in denial. Joseph wasn't some emotional rock who pretended, just pushed it down, kind of made the best of it, stiff upper lip. He didn't just power through. Joseph was really hurting. And when he saw his brothers, all that came up and all that came out. And it was significant. People heard it all over palace. Word ultimately made it up to Pharaoh and his household. Yeah, Joseph melted down. Dude. I mean, this guy's always upbeat. He's in control. He's doing this great job. Whoa, he snapped. See, He was carrying real hurt, real pain. I think what's interesting is he didn't deny it. He didn't deny his pain. Sometimes we pretend ah, I'm fine. Yeah, it didn't bother me. I don't care about them. I'm fine. Yeah, Joseph didn't do that. He didn't deny his pain. He didn't deny that a wrong had been committed. You remember verse four, when he said, "I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt." He didn't pretend that sin hadn't happened against him. He didn't deny it. He didn't hide it. He didn't just see his brothers and go, "Hey guys, cool, awesome. I've done pretty good." Oh hey, how you been? No, he dealt with the elephant in the room. I'm the one you sold into Egypt, and it hurt. The Apostle Paul, remember we looked at this passage actually a few weeks ago when he wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, beginning of verse 14, we read, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm, he tells Timothy. May the Lord repay him according to his works, he says. And we find out why he's saying that. You also must beware of him, for he's greatly resisted our words. It's interesting, Paul names names. He's honest about this. He's not denying the hurt and the danger. He's fairly candid. But you'll see how he deals with it. He then goes on to say, At my first offense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. He's not, it hurt. I was alone. And look what he says here, though. May it not be charged against them. How can he say that? The Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen.
1: That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Radio for Real Life. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series The Elephant in the Family Room, available right now on demand at reallife.org. And there, if you're able to bless back, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Again, look for the Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Ratama Park, with service times on Saturday nights at 5 and Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11.15. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, Radio for Real Life is a ministry of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time for more Real Life.
0: Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.